I'm going to be sharing with you today the subject, fellowship involves confession and forgiveness, a subject that we don't hear much talked about, but a subject that needs to be addressed and principles that need to be applied in our lives as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation, as a world. Would you bow your hearts together with me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you are a forgiving Heavenly Father. And Lord, you tell us in your word that you would have us to be like Jesus. And so realizing the importance of what we're about to study from your word in the next few moments, I offer myself as a vessel, a fresh and new into your hands at this very moment. Please cleanse me with the washing of the blood of your dear Son. Please anoint with the power of your sweet Holy Spirit, so that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight, so that your purpose, your designed purpose might be accomplished for each of us as individuals, as families, and as a church collective. Because as I pray, and praises for victories I give in Christ's name, amen. As we have been noting in the study of living life relationally, our Heavenly Father intends for His family to be tightly knit together. And a part of the glue that wells us together is confession and forgiveness. The desire of God that His family maintain a spirit of forgiveness is declared over and over and over, is expressed in God's Word in many ways, at many times. And it's still God's desire for His church today. In this study, we're going to zoom in on three passages of Scripture that illustrate this desire of our Heavenly Father. First of all, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, Jesus is speaking to that generation, and He's saying to ours, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother or thy sister has aught or something against thee, Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother or thy sister, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, I want you to notice the situation here. The situation is that you bring a sacrifice to the altar. And when you arrive, you remember that someone has something against you, and the matter has never been cleared up. That's the situation. What's the procedure that was to be followed then and is to be followed today? The procedure is that you, as the offended one, 
you make the move toward reconciliation. What's the lesson? The lesson is that all of the sacrifices that could ever be offered before God will not replace the need of reconciliation taking place. If we know that someone has something against us, Jesus says we must seek to be reconciled. Our Lord and Savior was very plain in His teaching that a person must seek to make things right with his fellow man or fellow woman. In the same book, Matthew chapter five, uh, 6 and verse 15, again Jesus is talking, and notice what flows from his gracious lips. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, underscore, in bold letters, if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father, referring to God, forgive your trespasses. Now, may I repeat that? But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So what was Jesus saying to that generation? And what's Jesus saying to our generation? This is what He was and is saying. The living out of Christ-like principles in our lives is of far greater value in the sight of God than practicing all of the forms of religion. Now, what are some of the forms of religion? Studying the Sabbath school lesson is a form of religion. Now, it's good to study the Sabbath school lesson. It should be studied. But my brothers and sisters, am I smiling? Can you see my teeth? I love you. It is possible to study the Sabbath school lesson and be able to repeat it verbatim and not have a loving relationship with God and a forgiving relationship with others. Returning a faithful tithe and offering is commanded of us and should be done by us. Am I still smiling? It is possible to give more than a tithe, to be abundant in our offerings, and still not have a loving relationship with Heavenly Father and a forgiving relationship with others. Now, follow me very closely. The person who has offended us, the person who has transgressed against us, may not accept our offer for reconciliation. But this does not remove us from the obligation to attempt to be reconciled. When you and I make the attempt, we have done what God has prescribed, and the reaction on the part of the offender or the transgressor is then left up to him or her. But we have fulfilled what God has required of us. Second passage, also in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. And I want to drop down to verse number 21. 
Matthew 18, 21. And then came Peter to Jesus and said, Lord, how oft, how many times shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Now, what was it that prompted Peter's question? What was it that precipitated him asking this question of Jesus? I want us to back up to verse number 15, where Jesus said to that generation then, and is saying to our generation today, moreover, if thy brother or thy sister shall trespass against thee, get on your cell phone and tell everybody you know about it. Moreover, if thy brother or thy sister trespass against thee, get on Facebook and post it and post it and post it. Moreover, if thy brother or thy sister trespass against thee, get on Twitter and tweet until you pass out. Is that what Jesus said? No. Jesus said, moreover, If thy brother or thy sister trespass against thee, go and tell him or her his fault between thee and him alone. Listen to me very carefully. If you trespass against me, I have no right to dialogue with anyone else about this issue until I address you first. Am I still smiling? If I trespass against you, you have no right to talk to our first elder or call our conference president until you come to me first. Now, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with Pastor Jesus. And I don't think you want to go there, do you? My brothers and sisters, there has been havoc that has been wrecked in families and local churches because we did not follow this principle. And so I read it again. Moreover, if thy brother or thy sister trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, Thou hast gained thy brother. And so, based on that question, Peter asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? To seven times. Now, will you agree with me that that's a lot of times? You'll agree with me, don't Don't, won't you? Well, my brothers and sisters, according to Pastor Jesus, that's not enough times. Look at verse number 22. As Jesus responded to the question Peter asked in verse 21. And Jesus said to him, Peter, and he's saying to Danny Gerard, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. My brothers and sisters, I'm convicted in my intellect and I'm convinced in my emotions that that is not a figurative number. Now, I was never good in math when I was in school. That was not my forte. I I enjoyed history and civics, but 
But I did not really like math. I did it because it was required of me, and I had to do it, and I passed. But even though I was not good at math, I did learn what 70 times 7 is. Some of you are smiling. You know where I'm going on this, don't you? Jesus said, the minimum number of times that I should forgive you. May I say it again? The minimum number of times I should forgive you. I think I'll say it one more time. The minimum number of times I should forgive you is 490 times. (laughs) Now again, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with Pastor Jesus. And I really don't think you want to go there. And then Jesus proceeded to tell a story. A story about a servant who was forgiven a debt by the king, but that same servant would not, and he did not forgive a fellow servant who owed him a sum of money. Now, I want to pick up the story beginning in verse number 32 of Matthew 18. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me, you asked me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity or mercy on thee? And his Lord was wroth or angry and delivered him to the tormentors or or torturers till he should pay all that was due unto him. And underscore this next phrase, because Jesus now makes a transition in the story. He's recounting an illustration, and now he's going to make a spiritual application that they were to implant in their relationships with one another, and you and I should be implanting in our relationships with one another. He said, so likewise... Shall my heavenly Father do also to you, if you from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses? Now, what's the situation? The situation is that you have been offended, you have been hurt. In some way, you have been mistreated. Now, don't raise your hands, but is there anybody else here besides me that's ever been offended? Anybody else here besides me ever been hurt? Anybody here besides me ever been mistreated? So that's the situation. What's the procedure? The procedure is that we are to forgive one another regardless. Listen to me carefully. There is nothing we can do about the past. We cannot go back and change what has been said to us or about us, been done to us. We cannot alter the past. But my brothers and sisters, there's a whole lot we can do about the present and about the future. So what's the lesson? 
The lesson is, if we refuse to forgive, we will have inner torture. If we refuse to forgive, we will have inner torment. We will be miserable if we maintain an unforgiving spirit because nothing can justify or will justify an unforgiving spirit. One of my favorite writers, and this one of my favorite writers is actually my wife. It's not on the screen, but I want to read a section from a book Rebecca wrote several years ago titled, Awakening the Sleeping Heart. The chapter is titled, Awakening Our Hearts to the Futility of Anger and the Freedom of Forgiveness. Thank you, favorite writer, for writing this passage. Have you ever had such an injustice done to you that you felt you could never forgive the one who wronged you? When we are hurt that deeply by someone, a chain reaction often begins. Hurt turns into anger. Anger turns into unforgiveness. Unforgiveness turns into bitterness. And bitterness turns into a cold, hard heart that goes to sleep. I once had a patient who was dying of lung cancer. He had a son who he abused when he was a boy, and the son, as a grown man, carried his anger toward his dad into his adulthood. The patient, knowing he was dying, wanted his son to come and visit him. He would tell me, I wish my son would come to see me. I want to apologize for what I've done. But the man died, and his son never came, not even to attend the funeral. Of course, what the son endured as a youngster was wrong. But how sad, how terribly sad, that the son's anger and unforgiveness had caused such a deep sleep in his heart that he did not want to visit his dying dad. My friends, this story could be repeated over and over and over again. There are parents that will not talk to their children. There are children who will not talk to their parents. There are siblings who will not get together and communicate with one another because of something that was done in the past. Again, I say there's nothing we can do about the past. We can't go back and change it. But my brothers and sisters, to harbor an unforgiving spirit will be torture in our lives and you and I cannot afford to live that kind of life. We just can't afford to do that. The third passage is found in the book of James, chapter 5. James, chapter 5, and verse 16. 
the practical apostle is writing, and he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. May I repeat that? Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. And again, as if someone is about to ask, well, Pastor James, why do we need to do this? Why is it so important that we confess our faults to one another and pray for one another? Listen to what he said then, and and God's Spirit is saying to us today, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth or accomplishes much. So what's the situation? The situation is that there is a need for healing. The procedure is that if needed, an expression or admission of wrong or guilt should be made. The lesson we draw from this is that healing is contingent upon honest confession. Now, again, that's not Pastor Dan talking. That's Pastor James talking. And I believe with all of my mind and all of my heart that he was inspired by God's sweet Holy Spirit. He said that the principle is true regardless It's true concerning spiritual healing, and it's true concerning physical healing. And I'm convicted in my intellect, and I'm convinced in my emotions that one of the reasons why some people never experience healing in their lives is because they do not follow this principle When I was doing research for this presentation, I read the following from another of one of my favorite writers, and my life has never been the same since, and I hope it will have the same impact on you. It's what she wrote in conjunction with this passage in James. It's found in Ministry of Healing, pages 228 and 229. Follow along with me on the screen. Sin of a private character, underscore in bold letters. Sin of a private character is to be confessed to Christ, the only mediator between God and man. Did you get that? And then she is inspired to make a transition Every underscore in bold letters, every open sin should be as openly confessed. So there are two types of confession. Those that pertain to a private character or nature, and those that pertain to something that has been done openly. My brothers and sisters... I could stand here today and tell you one horror story after another about the havoc that has been wrought in families and in churches when this principle is violated. Listen to me. 
if you commit a sin and nobody knows about that sin except you and Heavenly Father, nobody needs to hear a confession about it except God. Don't stand openly and confess that private transgression. Now again, if you're going to get upset, don't get upset with Pastor Dan. Get upset with her. And you're going to have a hard time because she's asleep waiting the coming of the Lord. But my brothers and sisters, if something is done openly, if there is an open sin, it should be openly confessed. She continued, wrong done to a fellow being should be named right with the one who has been offended. If any who are seeking health have been guilty of evil speaking, if they have sowed discord in the home, the neighborhood, or the church, and have stirred up alienation and dissension, if by any wrong practice they have led others into sin, these things should be confessed before God and before those who have been offended. Why is it so important that we follow this command? Listen, when wrongs have been righted, we may present the needs of the sick to the Lord in calm faith as His Spirit may indicate. I don't know about you, but I believe it was with great delight that the Apostle John penned 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Listen, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. <laughs> is there anybody else here besides me just like to say hallelujah about now? Hallelujah. Now, follow me very closely. I want to do a little, little checking up, okay? Pastor Dan is putting on the cloak of teacher Dan. I'm going to ask you a question. John said, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Private sins are to be confessed to who? Okay, you pass the test. God and God alone. Public sins are to be confessed to who? Publicly. You're passing the test. My brothers and sisters, we must not violate this principle. Because forgiveness is dependent upon this principle being followed. Underscore for the rest of your life in living that first word in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If, if we what? If we confess our sins, God is faithful to do what? To forgive us our sins. My brothers and sisters, if we are going to live life relationally, if we're going to have revival of biblical beneficial fellowship, 
so that we can be reconciled with Heavenly Father and reconciled to one another. We must realize and practice confession and forgiveness. In the early 1990s, I went to a church to conduct a revival series, and after the first night's presentation, the pastor came to me. I was staying with he and his family, and he said, Dan, we've got a problem. And I asked him what the problem was, and he said, well, the first elder came to me after the service tonight and said that we do not need to take up a collection anymore for you in this revival. And I looked at him, and I asked, well, why would he say that? And almost with tears in his voice, he said, well, this first elder noticed the boots you're wearing, and he said that anybody who can afford a pair of boots like that doesn't need to receive an offering in this revival series. What are we going to do? And I looked at him, and I smiled, as I have a tendency to do, and I said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to pray about it. And I hit my knees and started praying. God's sweet Holy Spirit gave me an opportunity several nights later to work my boots into my sermon. And so I told the story of how I came to have those boots. When Rebecca and I were leaving Texas several years before to move to the Carolinas to pastor, the church in Texas decided to give us going away gifts. They gave Rebecca a nice gift, and one of the members called me and said, Pastor Dan, we know that you like boots, and your boots are getting a little raggedy. We want to give you a new pair of boots. And I said, well, that's fantastic. I would really enjoy these boots, and I would pray for the church every time I put on these boots. She told me where we were to meet, the day and the time. And so I got out of my car, and I'm walking over to her car in front of this boot store. That's all they had was boots, no other kind of shoes. And as we we're walking toward the front door, she said, Pastor Dan, you can buy any pair of boots you want in this store up to $300. She said, now you can't spend over $300 on a pair of boots. She said, but you can buy any pair of boots you want up to $300. So I'm walking through this boot store and I, I, I'm seeing all these beautiful boots, but the price tag is so high and I'm getting discouraged. And as I was walking toward the exit, about ready to leave in my discouragement because I couldn't find any boots in the price range, I looked up and I saw the most beautiful pair of boots I'd ever seen in my life. Gray ostrich. The price, though, was $600. But I saw a sign beneath for sale. And so I yelled and called a name. I said, come over here, come over here. And she came running. She said, what's, what's going on? I said, I found my boots. I said, I want that pair of boots up there. 
She said, no, Pastor Dan, you can't have that pair of boots. She said, that's out of the price range. You, 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 you can't have that pair of boots. And I took my hand and I put it beneath her chin and I raised up her head and I pointed up to the sign and I said, would you read that sign to me? And she read, for sale, half price. Now, I told you a while ago I've never been very good at math, but I do know what half of 600 is. And, and the price said, half price, $299.99. And she looked at me and she said, that's in the price range, isn't it? I said, yes. She wrote out the check. I told the story about how I came to have those gray ostrich boots. When I finished the sermon, that first elder stood to his feet. Tears were streaming down his cheeks. He looked at the pastor and said, Pastor, may I say something? The pastor looked at me and I nodded. The first elder walked up to the platform, took the microphone, got as close to me as he could, looking right in my eyes, and said, Pastor Dan, please forgive me. I made a rash judgment about your boots the other night, and I said some things to the pastor and other members of this church I should not have said. Pastor Dan, will you forgive me? I was weeping at that time. I walked off the platform, gave him a great big hug, and said, my brother, you're forgiven. He turned to his brothers and sisters, fellow members of that church, and he said, brothers and sisters, please forgive me. There have been so many times that I have said things about you that I should not have said. And I realize now that I have been part of the problem in this church. Please forgive me. That church stood to its feet, came around that first elder, and began to hug one another. We had an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival in that church. My brothers and sisters, this principle will work. In conclusion, I want to take you to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. Listen to what Pastor Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And God's sweet Holy Spirit is saying to every Christian church today, Be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, underscore, for the rest of your life and living, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Now listen to what Pastor Paul echoed to the church at Colossae in Colossians 3 and verse 13. Forbearing, being patient with one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel or complaint 
against any. And again, underscore for the rest of your life and living, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. May I repeat and read again Ephesians 4 and verse 32, and then I'm going to ask a few questions. Be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Now follow me very closely. How are we to forgive one another? How am I to forgive you? How are you to forgive one another? How are you to forgive me? Even as God. That's how we are to forgive one another. Second question. How does God forgive? Does God forgive partially? Or does God forgive completely? When I was a young preacher boy, I heard an elderly minister preaching a sermon on forgiveness. And he said, some people forgive like this. They bury the hatchet. You ever heard that phrase? They bury the hatchet, but they leave the handle sticking above ground. So that when it's convenient, they can go and pick the hatchet up again. My brothers and sisters, God does not forgive like that. God not only buries the head of the hatchet, God buries the handle. And my Bible says God forgives as far as the east is from the west. He casts our sins into the depths of the sea, never to be remembered again. And if God forgives like that, and you and I forgive like God, my brothers and sisters, we must do the very same thing. Third question. If we are kind one to another, what will we do? Forgive, right? If we are tender-hearted, what will we do? We will forgive, right? Final question. Therefore, not to forgive one another as God forgives us is an undeniable proof that we are not what? Am I still smiling? Not to forgive one another as God forgives us is an undeniable proof that we are not kind and we are not tender-hearted. I want to be kind, don't you? I want to be tender-hearted. I want to be like Jesus. Confession and forgiveness. We need it. Heavenly Father, thank you again for being a forgiving God. And Father, I am praying that as a result of this very simple message, sometime today, we will get alone with you 
and we will ask your sweet Holy Spirit to impress upon our minds and hearts and make confession that it be done. If there is anyone we need to forgive, help us to do so. If there is anyone we need to go to and ask them to forgive us, may it be taken care of very soon. From this simple message, revive in us the principle of heaven, the principle of confession and forgiveness. Because as I pray and praises for victories I give in the forgiving name of Jesus. And all God's children said, Amen. Heavenly Father, as we leave this place and enter into a world that seems to be so unforgiving, may we be an expression of Jesus. May we seek opportunity to express with lips and with lives that confession and forgiveness is biblical and beneficial. In Jesus' name, amen.